Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Does Hamilton need more bike lanes? Hamilton's airport had a huge 2022. Happy Doctor's Day. Find out what are the top pests for this summer. The Riley's Bugle Band is holding a reunion. And the Maker's Market is coming to Hamilton. Find out more next on the GMH podcast. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Poll question of the day that is out. You can find it in the Twitterverse at AM900CHML on Twitter. As the Ontario Bike Summit continues in Hamilton, we're asking you, do you think the city needs more bike lanes? At AM900CHML on Twitter, right now 67% say, no, we got enough, enough already. 33% say yes. We need more bike lanes. You can text in your response at 905-645-3221. Tom wrote us earlier on in the morning saying, no, we got enough. No more bike lanes, please. Uh, You can also send me an email, rick at 900chml.com. Speaking of cycling, Hamilton is hosting the 2023 Ontario Bike Summit at the Sheridan Hotel. It continues today and uh, into tomorrow. It includes uh, workshops to help build a successful cycling city. Certainly improvements need to be made in this community, and we're not alone. But this summit is bringing together... Uh, municipal and provincial representatives, urban planners, uh, engineers, and and a lot of other people to discuss safe cycling and how we can get and and make this city a safer place for cyclists. Eleanor McMahon is the founder and board member of Share the Road Cycling Coalition and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Eleanor, good morning. How are you? Hey, Rick. How are you this morning? I'm great, thanks. I'm awesome. Thanks for joining us today. The the theme, I understand, of this year's show is Cycling Connects People and Communities. So what are you digging into with that theme? Uh, It's a great question. You know, I'm I'm interested in your online poll, too, of uh, of folks that are chiming in this morning. So good morning, Hamilton. Uh, I'm just next door in Burlington. So uh, Hamilton is a city that I love. And our coalition uh, chose Hamilton precisely because we know it's a vibrant city. It's a growing city. Everywhere you look in Hamilton, there's construction and new uh, folks coming to the city to enrich it even further. It's such a great city with such a great vibe. And it only makes sense that Hamilton is looking for ways to really add cycling to the mix in an even more impactful way. Because we know that people do want to ride. And in fact, we're, we're um, releasing data this morning that you and your listeners might find interesting we did a provincial-wide, a province-wide poll, Rick, and we asked Ontarians about, do you want to cycle more? And if you're not cycling now, why aren't you? And what's going to get you cycling more often? So some really interesting data to share in terms of their, you know, their practices on a daily basis, but also, you know, what they think about um, governments investing more in cycling. So it's been a really interesting opportunity to look at this data and we're opening our summit with some really good news. What's the common denominator, the most common response as to why people don't cycle more often or more people don't? Yeah, you know, probably not surprising, Rick. The number one reason people don't ride more often um, is they're too frightened to do so. So 48% of people that the highest rating, um, you know, when we asked, what keeps you from cycling? And, you know, people will sometimes say different things. Maybe I have physical limitations. Maybe I think I don't have enough time in the morning to get where I want to go or during my day, and so I choose another mode of transportation. But the number one resonant reason why more people don't take a bike is because they're too frightened to do so. And I think, you know, we're Canadians, uh, we're smart people, we're innovative, and there's a lot of ingenuity in this country, 
Uh, we put men on the moon and brought them back again, Rick. So I'm convinced that together we can figure out, as other countries around the world have, how to make Hamilton and cities in Canada safer and more convenient because the bike beside you is the car that isn't. And adding bike lanes actually enhances um, you know, congestion and gives people safe places to ride too. Back to the theme of Cycling Connects, the connectivity through cycling, what can this city do a better job of in that regard? Well, first of all, let me say that Hamilton's actually doing a pretty good darn job at the moment, but better is always possible. And that's what the Ontario Bike Summit, now in its 15th year, proves. We bring municipalities together to share best practices because as you um, you know, noted earlier, you know, Ontario, and that's why we have the Dutch Cycling Embassy with us, can learn from others about how they've actually succeeded in, in getting their cities more bicycle friendly. There are cities in Canada now that are doing a really great job. Vancouver, Montreal, Ottawa, uh, Toronto's got incredible cycling infrastructure uh, which is not surprising given the number of people that ride every day. And Hamilton's on the cusp of greatness. They're a silver bicycle-friendly community. Our award program, which we launched 10 years ago, looks at cities and rates them according to a number of parameters. And, uh, you know, Hamilton came out of silver. Um, the mayor's speaking this morning. I know she wants to go for gold, and so does city staff. And so do people in, in uh, Hamilton, you know. They want to ride their bikes more often because it's cheap and it's convenient. And in lots of cities, it's the fastest, most convenient, low-cost way to get around. And it's good for you and good for the environment. So, uh, you know, we can find a way to do this, Rick, more efficiently. And, uh, you know, I know it's in our hands to do it. Hamilton hosting the 2023 Ontario Bike Summit. We have another minute with Eleanor McMahon, the founder of the Share the Road Cycling Coalition. You mentioned the Dutch Cycling Assembly. They held a workshop yesterday. What was your main takeaway? The main takeaway was, A, this is possible. B, the Dutch have done it with great success, and uh, they have an economy that's thriving. So I think there's great lessons to learn. C, most people want to cycle more, and precisely like our data shows, they're too afraid to do so. So let's, as smart people, figure out ways in which we can make it easier and safer and more convenient for people to ride their bikes. 40% of our trips in Canada, Rick, believe it or not, and this is an Environment Canada statistic, they're under 10 kilometers. And, you know, 10 kilometers is roughly 25 minutes on your bicycle. Um, if every, you know, 40% of our trips, sorry, are under that amount, imagine what we could do to get on our bikes and, you know, ride safely and comfortably to a store, to a meeting with friends, to a restaurant, of which there are several great ones in Hamilton. And imagine if we decided to do a mind flip and say, instead of jumping in my car, I'm going to hop on my bike. And you know, the Dutch do it every single day. The vast majority of Dutch citizens, yes, they ride their car for sure, but they prioritize cycling and actually it's benefited their traffic patterns. It's made it easier and safer for motorists. And that's the other key stat that came out of our takeaway um, you know, in our data that we uh, found in this poll that we did, is that Ontarians are cyclists, they're also motorists. And so this notion that it's one versus the other is a bit of a false narrative, Rick, you know. Um, we're not just cyclists and we're not just motorists. You know, upwards of 80% of us, in fact, 87% of Ontarians that are frequent cyclists are also frequent drivers. So, you know, it's about finding ways together to resolve this 
CAA is one of our big sponsors of the summit. You know, the Automobile Association has people within their membership group that are cyclists. And that's reflective of all Ontario, where 68% of people ride on a regular basis. And that's close to 10 million people. Proof that we can do both, that is for sure. Eleanor, we'll have to leave it there as we're plum out of time. Really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much. That's Eleanor McMahon, founder of Share the Road Cycling Coalition. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Well, 2022 was a banner year for Hamilton's John C. Monroe International Airport, in which it recorded increased cargo activity, uh, more passenger traffic, and welcomed a new airline partner. All thumbs up. Uh, Cole Horncastle is the executive executive managing director of Hamilton's John C. Monroe International Airport and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Cole, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. My gosh, what did you guys not do in 2022? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you consider, you know, the recovery from the pandemic and then, you know, the results we just posted for 2022, it really it really puts a smile on your face. That's for sure. It was it was a great year and and really kudos to the the airport team for for delivering on this. So, are you guys back to normal or, or pre-pandemic activity? So, when it comes to the passenger side of the business, uh, you know, we all know last year started off. It was still a bit uh, a bit rocky. We had some um, travel recommendations in place by the government still for some restrictions. Um, so that kind of impacted the first couple of years or a couple of months. Sorry. When it comes to June to December, really June, July to December, so starting in that summer period, we really started to get back to seeing those pre-pandemic figures. So right back to 2019, we were just over 80% um, from about that July period onwards for the rest of the year of that 2019 figure where we almost hit a million passengers. This year, we are really hoping that the year plays itself out, that we're back to those pre-pandemic numbers. Uh, new airline partner, tell us uh, who that is and what impact it has had on uh, your operations. Yeah, for sure. So in 2022, we in June, we had the start of Lynx Airlines uh, at Hamilton. So that was great news for us. Um, they started operating with flights to, to Calgary and Halifax. This year, it's, it's very great. They're continuing with their service uh, at Hamilton and will be offering uh, a really great connection flight through Calgary straight on to Vancouver. That uh, is always a popular destination for our passengers. So very good news on that. We also have a new carrier starting up in 2023, and that's Play Airlines, who will be starting in June of this uh, year as well. Uh, and they'll be flying on to, to Iceland and then on to connecting on to 26 European destinations. So when you consider two new carriers in the past two years, that's really great news for Hamiltonians. Uh, Hamilton International Airport's Cole Horncastle, the Executive Managing Director, joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, talking about a big year, 2022, for Hamilton International. When it comes to 2023, uh, cargo activity, which which what Monroe Airport has really become uh, known for and in its increased cargo activity last year, is that going to continue year in and year out yeah you know this is it we continue at hamilton to be one of the leaders in in cargo goods movements in canada uh right now we're the third largest cargo airport in all of canada and just a critical part of the national uh, supply chain corridor um, as evidenced by our recent funding announcement in january for uh, 46.9 million to expand our our apron uh, specifically related to cargo activity 
When it comes to future growth, you know, we are seeing some signs in the industry that the uh, explosive growth that we've seen since 2019 will likely slow down, uh, but still have some reasonable growth curves between 2 to 3% per year. So uh, we're lucky that we've got uh, most of the major players um, with large sort facilities at the airport. So when it comes to their businesses, uh, they'll likely always choose Hamilton to continue to grow their product offering. We did see some big problems at Pearson Airport in regards to long wait lists, uh, long wait lines, I should say. What did uh, Monroe Airport do differently or better than what was being done at Pearson? You know, it's, it's always tough to compare with our, our partners down the road. Uh, Pearson offers a, a really good service for uh, certain types of their business. But when it comes to Hamilton, what we do very well is we really cater to that, that easy and convenient uh, consp- uh, experience. Um, so many of our passengers choose Hamilton to start their vacation uh, at our facility. And we've even continued to improve upon it. So to, to allow our passengers to have an even more uh, easier trip to the terminal, in uh, December of uh, last year, we expanded our security screening to four lanes to um, increase our throughput for the, through the facility, so to reduce those, those lines at the airport. Well, it certainly has made a huge impact on this community and beyond. There's a lot of people coming into Hamilton to fly out of Monroe Airport as opposed to Pearson. That is a, a big achievement already. Cole, really appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot for having me. Have a good day. Cole Horncastle, the Executive Managing Director of John C. Monroe Hamilton International Airport, which brought in more than 645,000 total passengers last year. That was up 158% over the previous year. That's, that's a mighty increase, that is for sure. They're doing some great stuff at Hamilton Airport. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Today is Doctor's Day. It's a celebration that comes at a pretty unique time as well. Today is the 192nd anniversary of the birth of Emily Howard Stowe. And if you do not know the story about Emily Howard Stowe, she is the first woman licensed to practice medicine in Canada. She passed away in 1903, but it's apropos that Doctor's Day is held on this day. Here's another doctor for you, Dr. Rose Zacharias. She's the president of the Ontario Medical Association and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Dr. Zacharias, good morning and happy Doctor's Day. Thank you so much and good morning to you. What does this day mean to you and other physicians? So this is an opportunity to celebrate our doctors across Ontario. The Ontario Medical Association represents all 43,000 physicians across Ontario. And uh, collectively, I mean, as a society, we have all come through three years of a pandemic, which has seriously strained our healthcare system. Doctors show up at work every day with a conviction to provide the very best care to their patients despite these strains. And so today's the day to say thank you. How are they doing? Doctors are struggling with burnout, to be honest. And it has nothing to do really with the resiliency that individual medical professionals, uh, such as my physician peers, have. Uh, There's a deep capacity and extreme intelligence and commitment to care for patients, no matter if you're a family doctor or a specialist, someone who shows up at the hospital in the operating room or in a a clinic uh, to see you that way. But we asked our doctors over this past year, and uh, and 75% of doctors are saying they're operating at a level of burnout, 
And they say the number one reason is the documentation burden, actually the computer and uh, paperwork obligations that doctors have, which is unfortunate because doctors want to be doctors, seeing their patients, but this is another medical legal responsibility that's just kind of got wrapped up in a doctor's day job and night job and in weekend job, um, which is um, which is stressing people out. So how do we solve that? And could something like chat GPT be helpful in this instance? Well, people are exploring artificial intelligence for sure to see where could we do what we need to do. I mean, every time a physician sees a patient, it's important to document exactly, you know, what are the patient's concerns, what is the what are the recommendations around investigations, and then of course what are the treatment recommendations and, and to capture the conversation, to capture the experience of uh, of someone who's come into the operating room, you know, exactly um, how can you know another physician who follows up on that patient uh, or someone else on the healthcare team, how can they know exactly um, from a physician's point of view what's been experienced in the visit? So would it be artificial intelligence? Would it just be someone else on the healthcare team that could do what we have just uh, come accustomed to doctors doing? When we look at forms, a lot of insurance forms and medical sick notes and, uh, and such, we've just come to expect doctors to do those. And unfortunately, it uh, takes doctors away from the types of patient interactions that we also know that doctors can only do. So if we can look at the things that can be shared across the healthcare team, I think we could free up a lot of doctors' time and attention, and that would help. Makes sense to me. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Dr. Rose Zacharias, president of the Ontario Medical Association as we celebrate Doctor's Day today in the province. Uh, We know that many people here in Hamilton or beyond in this province do not have a family doctor. Uh, You've mentioned you have more than 40,000 strong with the OMA. Is enough being done to attract, recruit, educate and retain doctors? We do think the government is listening, and we have been working with our college, the regulator, uh, around licensing of physicians. First of all, we need immediate solutions to the doctor shortage, and we need long-term solutions that will help build that robust healthcare system into the future. But immediately, we know that there are internationally trained physicians who are already here, living in Ontario, that want to practice here, uh, that have received their training elsewhere, whether they're Canadian-born or not, when they come back having trained elsewhere, they have a lot of barriers to overcome to become a doctor. So we need to look at expediting those licenses. Of course, there's standards by which physicians need to uh, be measured against. Um, But there's just been a lot of traditional unnecessary barriers that we need to break down to license those internationally trained physicians. And then long term, more medical school spots, more support for doctors who educate doctors, right? Doctors are very busy clinically seeing patients of their own, but for every doctor that takes five, eight, ten years to train, we need a lot of physicians who are investing in that junior doctor's education and learning experience, and so we need to protect that sort of time for our physicians. And so we are committed 
to working with every level of government and all the external healthcare stakeholders to to see this come about. Also, like to encourage our listeners to go to the website doctorsday.ca and send uh, doctors in this province a supportive message because they certainly need that uh, throughout uh, this pandemic. Dr. Zacharias, we'll have to leave it there. Uh, thank you for your time today and thanks for uh, keeping us healthy each and every day. And thank you for saying thank you. Happy Doctor's Day to you. Uh, Dr. Rose Zacharias, President of the Ontario Medical Association. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Work in Canada releasing its uh, list of the top pests that are expected to trend in the summer of 2023. Which pests are high on the list for Orkin Canada uh, technicians to deal with that they're called in for each and every day? And, uh, you know, I'm going through the list and thinking, okay, I've seen those. Yeah, I've dealt with that. No, haven't haven't encountered that, thankfully, and don't have any of those. Okay, that's good. Yeah, see those all the time, and, and the list goes on and on. So let's get to some of the more common pests that you have either already seen or will see in the not-too-distant future with the uh, somewhat warmer weather on the way. Number one, I, mean, I don't think this is in any particular order, to, to be honest. But this is certainly probably the most common that you're going to see, and that is ants. Ants, the top, one of the top pests to expect this coming summer. We're already seeing it in the spring. I've noticed a couple of ants here or there. Should it be a worry? Well, you know, if you have fire ants, certainly, (laughs) I'm not sure how many fire ants are in the Hamilton area. But if you had any, I'm sure that would be quite concerning. I'm sure you'll see a lot of ants uh, in the next few weeks, if you haven't done so already. Rory Scott is the branch manager with uh, Orkin in the Stony Creek area and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Rory, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. I'm good. How about yourself? Not too bad. Just uh, dove into the list of the top pests for 2023 and ants on the list. Um, uh, I'm guessing we're going to see a lot of ants this spring. Yeah, definitely. With the uh, sort of mild winter that we had there, we didn't get the winter kill that we normally would. So ants are definitely going to be one of the the top pests we deal with this summer. Where do we usually find them and how do we get rid of them? I mean, depending on the species, we'll deal with anything from carpenter ants all the way to pavement ants. Um, Depending on the species is kind of going to dictate where you're going to find them. Um, The pavement ants, sort of those sandy soil areas up against the house or your driveway, whereas uh, carpenter ants are going to be sort of in different uh, wooden structures once they've sort of gotten water damage is where they like to sort of chew and live in. And so once they get in the house, are they a danger? Should we be concerned about having ants in the home? I mean, with carpenter ants uh, in particular, over time, um, if left unchecked, they can do damage to different structural uh, pieces of the home. I mean, that's why you're best off to uh, call a professional, first of all, to get the actual species identified, and then secondly, to come up with sort of a treatment plan to uh, rectify the problem. Let's get to rodents. Never a good idea to have a, if it's not a pet, of course, uh, to have a rodent in the house. How common is this in the Hamilton area? Uh, Rodents in Hamilton are pretty common. I mean, this winter, we didn't really see any sort of slowdown in the number of rodent calls that we got. Um, Anything from mice all the way up to rats. Again, because of that uh, warm winter that we had, they were pretty much active all year. So what should we be doing in and around the house to keep rodents away? 
So biggest thing with uh, rodents around the home is first of all, making sure the outside envelope of your home is sealed. So any cracks, gaps, crevices that rodents might be able to enter, making sure that they're sealed. And then just your general property around the outside of the home, keeping it sort of uncluttered, you know, garbage in cans and sealed, things along those lines to keep it, uh, you know, least conducive conditions around the outside of the home as possible is going to limit uh, them getting inside. Going through Orkin Canada's uh, top pests that are expected to trend in the summer of 2023, and that uh, we're doing so with Rory Scott, branch manager of Orkin in the Stony Creek area. Also on the list, cockroaches. That's never a good thing. No, I mean, cockroaches seem to make the list every year. Um, I mean, they're quite common throughout different areas of the city. Um, biggest thing with uh, cockroaches is sanitation, you know, food and water sources, keeping those to a minimum. Um, the last thing you want is if you get one inside, you have those conditions to let them build up inside your home. Subterranean termites also on the list. Are, are we seeing a lot of these? Luckily, in the Hamilton area, very few calls, if any, for subterranean termites. Um, we do have a couple pockets throughout Ontario, up in sort of the Kitchener-Waterloo, the beaches area of Toronto, and then there's a couple pockets up around King Carden. But luckily, knock on wood, uh, as far as termite issues, sort of in the Hamilton area, very few, if any. Also on the list, and this should be no surprise, is mosquitoes. Are we in for a bad mosquito season? I think we are again, warm winter. We've kind of uh, let the population sort of start off at a number that uh, is going to be a problem throughout the summer months. Again, we're having a wet spring. So areas with standing water where the mosquitoes are going to breed. I mean, you want to be getting outside and making sure you do not have those areas on your property. Mosquitoes breed in standing water. So hence trying to eliminate it as much as possible. Also on the list, uh, flies, wasps, ticks. Sounds like it's going to be an active summer for you guys. Yeah, I mean, we're expecting, again, with the warm winter, I mean, our call volume's already up ahead of where it was last year. The uh, sort of pest issues are a few weeks ahead of time um, than what we normally expect. Well, Rory, good luck uh, fighting the good fight against all these pests, and thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me on, Rick. Rory Scott, branch manager, Orkin Canada in the Stony Creek area. You can find out more information online, orkincanada.ca. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Big news coming up later on this year. The Royal Hamilton Light Infantry's Bugle Band is planning a reunion to celebrate its rich 195-year history. It's going to take place September 24th at the RHLI Veterans Association, and it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Rick Allen is the RHLI Bugle Band Reunion Committee co-chair and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Rick, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Art. I'm doing great. How about you? I'm good. Tell us about the the, the Riley's Bugle Band. Well, the Bugle Band uh, was a very big part of the regimental history uh, from basically uh, 1887 to 1992. It was a, a big part of regimental history that reg, uh, rep, represented the regiment, uh, the city of Hamilton, and Canada in, very, in many parades, military tattoos all around uh, Hamilton, Canada, and abroad, uh, Bermuda and uh, Dieppe, France. 
And these individuals who were part of the bugle bands, they would march troops going into war. So they had they had a, a, a pretty serious and um, very historic uh, kind of role within the military. Yes, they do. Uh, uh, buglers originally were the signal part of the regiment. They would uh, play bugle calls, and the, the troops would have to react to the, the calls themselves. Uh Later on, the idea of forming a, a bugle band was, was secondary, but uh, luckily for us, the bugle band was uh, very popular over the years. So the uh, reunion itself goes September 24th, uh, 2 to 6 p.m. at the RHLI Veterans Association at 1353 Barton Street. So you're putting a call out there to get some people who are involved with the bugle band back to celebrate its history. Uh, that's correct. Uh, the band's been gone since 1992, so we're trying to locate all the former members that that we can uh, through social media and uh, newspapers and uh, radio. <laughs> How many are out there? Oh, it's hard to hard to guess them. At uh, we have a list of. Uh, about 40 people right now that, that we've contacted just by, by, by word of mouth and, and memory. Uh, we have about 15 people signed up right now for, for the reunion just by, by word of mouth and uh, Facebook. So we're hoping to reach out to as many as we can. Some are, are actually in their 80s and 90s now, the, the fellows who were in the band back in the 50s. And, uh, I don't think there's anybody left from the 30s and 40s. Right, and, and that's oh. the, that's the challenge because you know 92 was quite a while ago, right? That's both over 30 years. Yep. Yeah. So how many have you found? We found about 15 so far. Wow. Uh, we do have a list, like I mentioned. That's just uh, trying to uh, track them down. And why is it important for you to do this? Well, it was always in the back of my mind. Uh, the last reunion we had was in 1987, and for the last five years, it's been in like back on my my mind. Uh, COVID kind of put the kibosh for the last three years, but I figured if we don't do it now, it it won't get done because. We're not getting any younger, that's for sure. <laughs> Rick Allen is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Rick is a RHLI Bugle Band Reunion Committee co-chair. They're organizing a reunion September 24th at the RHLI Veterans Association at 1353 Barton Street. Uh, and they're trying to contact um, uh, individuals who were part of the Bugle Band so many years ago. Um, how did you get involved in this band? I've been in bands and drum corps most of my life. Um, I joined the band in uh, 1976, and uh, I, I really enjoyed my time. I was there from 1976 to 1982, and uh, at that time when I was in, the, the big thing back then was the, the Queen's Silver Jubilee Tattoo in uh, 1977. Uh, we did... Uh, two or three tattoos just to celebrate her her uh, anniversary. And they were big, big occasions. When uh, people get together after long absences uh, with one another, there are several stories I would imagine that is going to be shared. Do you look forward to telling one or, or hearing about one that you've heard in the past? Oh, I'm sure there'll be lots of stories. 
some that I might not be able to say on the radio, but <laughs> we, we did have a good time. And we were proud to be members of the Royal Hamlet Light Infantry. Well, we're proud to have you as part of that. That is for sure. Rick, really appreciate your time today. Best of luck at gathering more of the uh, Bugle Band vets, so to speak. And uh, it should be a fun time this September 24th. We hope it will be. We hope we get as many uh, former, me- former members as we can. Rick, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks very much, Rick. Appreciate your assistance. Rick Allen is uh, RHLI Bugle Band Reunion Committee co-chair. So if you know someone who was with the Bugle Band and you want them to hear about this, or maybe you want to attend because you were part of the Bugle Band yourself and had no idea that a reunion was happening, head over to the Royal Hamilton Light Infantry Band on Facebook and you can get uh, a bunch more information. Um, September 24th is the date. It goes from 2 to 6 in the afternoon. It's at the RHLI uh, Veterans Association, 1353 Barton Street. Uh, single tickets, $15. If uh, you're a couple, it's 25 bucks. There's a cash bar, a light buffet, and, uh, of course, what is a reunion without reunion merchandise? Should be a fun time coming up later on this year. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. There's a new event planning company in this city that's getting ready to launch what's being called the Maker's Market. So this is a showcase of uh, dozens of local vendors with a strong representation representation part of me of uh, indigenous 2s lgbtqia plus and bipoc artists and it happens this coming saturday from noon to six at cornell performance academy at 205 cannon street east and there's a fundraising component to this as well sarah cooper schmidt is the founder of clout entertainment and the organizer of the makers market and joins us now on good morning hamilton sarah good morning how are you I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm great. Tell us about the Maker's Market and the the idea behind it. Absolutely. Um, it's coming up, like you said, on Saturday, and it's all about uplifting local makers. I've had the privilege to meet many of them in person at my, um, my previous location on the east end of Hamilton. And uh, we're going to have about 40 or more vendors there from jewelry makers to watchmakers to candle makers. And uh, there's going to be a children's area with learning with Lexi from at two o'clock. There'll be some songs happening for the children there. There'll be a food truck, the green machine food truck will be there and uh, spiritual espresso will be serving up some coffees and cookies, but you'll get a chance to get your mother's days gifts in early. If you uh, head over there and support local businesses. Does this fill a need for local artisans? Um, I think so. And for uh, us in general in Hamilton, I mean, I've had the privilege of seeing these. I've done, this will be my fourth market of this type. This one is a, obviously a much larger scale than I'm used to doing. And uh, I just feel like everybody needs to access these amazing artists that we have locally here. They're just, they make beautiful things. And uh, I think we should be supporting local because they're all incredible. Yeah. I, I may mention that there is a fundraising component to this as well. How does that work? Mm-hmm. Yes, so uh, some of the vendors will be donating a portion of the proceeds to the Hamilton Alliance for Tiny Shelters. And we also have on our Eventbrite page, you can uh, sign up for the tickets are free to enter, but there's a little bit of a donation component if you'd like to through Eventbrite. But they will also have a table there to talk about some of the good work that they're doing to help homeless people in Hamilton. And um, they will have some information there and you can also donate while you're there. But um, if you do come, one of the things I neglected to mention is the first 50 people that come will have um, these free gift bags that will have some of the local 
um, makers products in there as well as some other things that we've sourced out through local vendors such as Candy Works. Uh, we'll have some cotton candy. We'll have hottie biscotti in there and a bunch of other things that'll be surprises in there. So you, And lots of beautiful door prizes to potentially win as well. Got 90 more seconds talking about the uh, Makers Markets this Saturday from noon to 6 at Cornell Performing uh, Performance Academy at 205 yes. Cannon Street East. What reaction do you anticipate to see? Uh, well, in the past, I've had about 450 people show up to my last market with about a third of the vendors. So I'm hoping that we're going to scale it up. We see a lot more people coming. There will be lineups. We have live music uh, as well, which I forgot to mention. Chris Chambers will be there. And I just hope for a really good uh, day community building with these amazing local businesses and supporting them and us benefiting from them by purchasing lovely things that we can uh, benefit from. That's a great idea. You can get more information on Instagram at clout.ent. Sarah, thanks mm-hmm. for the time today. Good luck with the Makers Market. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Take care. Sarah Cooper-Schmidt is the founder of Clout Entertainment, again on Instagram at clout.ent. That sounds like a pretty cool initiative with uh, some of the proceeds going to uh, a great cause as well. That's always a benefit. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcasts podcast, Google podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode and make sure you rate and review.